BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. The big news of the day is, of course, uh, announced just about this time yesterday morning, uh, President-elect Trump saying Rex Tillerson, the CEO of ExxonMobil, is his choice for Secretary of State. So here it is. I know there's been a lot of talk about this. I just want to boil it all down for you and say, okay, Rex Tillerson, a bad appointment for the American people. And I'll give you four reasons why. I think it's, let's see it that way. Four reasons why Rex Tillerson is not a good choice for Secretary of State. Sure, he's a good man. Sure, he's a successful businessman. But let's start there. Number one is being a successful businessman does not mean you're a successful public servant. We've been down that road before. Might work, but not necessarily, right? Remember Robert McNamara and the war in Vietnam, right? Uh, so, and, and making business deals is not the same as being a good diplomat or making diplomatic deals. The, it's, a, it's an entirely different operation. One does not necessarily lead to the other. In fact, I think you've got to say that what is good, and Tillerson's made a lot of good business deals in a lot of countries, maybe 50 countries around the world. But what's good for ExxonMobil is not necessarily good for the United States or not necessarily good for the planet. And in fact, Tillerson has said over and over again, I saw another video of him yesterday. I'm not here to represent the United States. I'm not here to do what's good for the United States. I'm here to do what's good for ExxonMobil. So making deals for the bottom line is not the same as making deals doing what's right for the American people or for the United States of America. Number one, ExxonMobil, not necessarily what's good for the United States. Number two, on the issue of climate change, you can't trust Rex Tillerson. For years, Exxon and all the other oil companies, all the other fossil fuel CEOs, have been the leaders of, uh, in opposition to any effort to do anything about climate change. Exxon, for years, was, a, was one of the leading companies that funded these opposition groups to climate change, these phony scientists who would get out there and say, oh, the science isn't really clear. And they were funded by the oil companies. And Exxon, ExxonMobil was one of the main ones. Now, yeah, they, they point out that Tillerson supports the Paris Climate Change Agreement. That doesn't mean Donald Trump does. And he's not going to stand up to Donald Trump on that issue. Plus, again, you can't trust an oil man on climate change. They're continuing to pump fossil fuels and to develop, uh, to develop as many fields as they can. That's their business, just the opposite of any movement away from fossil fuels. And, and so you got Tillerson lead, uh, at joining the anti-climate change team that's already, already got three other members 
in the uh, Trump administration to be the latest of, uh, first of all, let's start with EPA, Scott Pruitt, Attorney General from Oklahoma, who's been the leading advocate for the fossil fuel industry in the West. Now you've got Rick Perry, uh, Secretary of Energy, who doesn't believe in climate change, another climate change denier, wanted to get rid of the Department of Energy. Now he's going to be heading it. And then thirdly, you've got this Ryan Zinke from Montana who said last year, well, it may not be a hoax, but it's not scientifically proven, another climate change denier. So you got four major climate, four plus the president-elect himself who did say that climate change was a hoax invented by the Chinese uh, to give them a trade uh, advantage in trade over the United States. So uh, Rex Tillerson, again, f- businessman, ExxonMobil, not a good fit for Secretary of State. Then you've got climate change. And now thirdly, third reason is because Rex Tillerson is a buddy-buddy, has a personal friendship, not just a business relationship, a personal friendship with Vladimir Putin. He's had dinner with him. Yeah, they have knocked down shots of vodka together. He's been invited to, to, to special events there in Moscow. He brags about his close relationship with Vladimir Putin. And right now, you've got to admit, Russia is not a friend of the United States. I mean, imagine that, by the way, the juxtaposition of events yesterday. So we know for sure now that Russia did support, pay for, encourage. They were behind the hacking of the DNC and the Clinton campaign. In order to influence the outcome of this election, we learned that from the CIA. And what does Donald Trump do? He appoints a Putin puppet as our next secretary of state. No puppet. No puppet. No puppet. Remember, remember, remember yeah. Trump's famous line in the yeah, uh, right. debates? But, I mean, is that a way to reward Vladimir Putin? It's almost like saying, hey, Vlad, good job. You helped me get elected. Now here's your buddy as our secretary of state. And you've got to ask the question, with that kind of close relationship, what is Tillerson going to do about the fact that Putin is siding with Bashar al-Assad in Syria, bombing the hell out of civilians in Aleppo, kill, he's killed thousands and thousands of Syrian civilians. We're just going to look the other way. What are you going to do about the fact that Vladimir Putin did seize Crimea? He, he, he's, he's, he went in there, grabbed it, and got away with it, and he's still holding on to it, and we, we pretend that he didn't. What are you going to do about the fact that Vladimir Putin still has uh, uh, military equipment and arms and military uh, personnel in eastern Ukraine still occupying part of that country. What are you going to do about the fact that they shot down an airline uh, over uh, eastern Ukraine? And what are you going to do about uh, their their role with Iran, their role again in Syria? I mean, there's so many issues, uh, not to mention the hacking of this election, that where you can't trust the good buddy of Vladimir Putin, the man who says we should not have put any sanctions on Russia. Oh, no. They invaded Ukraine, but we still should not have put. He opposed, Tillerson opposed as CEO of Exxon, any sanctions on Russia. So three reasons, right? Number one, businessman, oil man, can't be trusted to be secretary of state. Climate change can't be trusted to, to, I mean, you can just, yeah, what you can count on is he's going to try to undo any efforts on climate change. Three, a buddy of Vladimir Putin. And let me tell you the fourth reason nobody's talking about is because a guy like this who knows nothing about statecraft is going to have to 
He's going to need some help. He's going to be look for, looking for people that he thinks have been around the track. And that's what they're talking about, putting in as number two at the State Department, John Bolton, our former ambassador to the United Nations under George W. Bush, who is a lunatic and one of the biggest hardliners out there at all. I mean, this is John Bolton, who doesn't like any international organizations, wanted to do away with the U.N., wants to do away and undo any international treaties that we have, just doesn't respect them. Just earlier this year, he advocated, he wrote a whole op-ed about why we should bomb Iran. Right. He wants us to bomb Iran, bomb Syria. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you name it, right? I mean, we... This guy is and, so hungry for and, war. And has invited Israel to, to, to bomb Iran if, if, if we don't. Uh, and, and this hothead would be, reportedly, Rex Tillerson's number two. So for all those reasons, this is a bad appointment, this appointment that Democrats really have to fight as hard as they can. And if Republicans really stand for anything, and I know that they're, look, they need 51 votes. They've got 52. If all Democrats hang together and you get one more Republican, then Mike Pence would have to, uh, would have to uh, if my math is correct, would have to break the tie. If you... No, you need three, actually, right? Three. And the three are two, Mike Pence breaks the tie. Third one, he's done. He's toast. And the three that are talking about it are Marco Rubio, John McCain, Mark, um, Lindsey Graham, actually four, and Rand Paul. Yeah. You got those four, so it's going to depend on them. And I think if the Republicans stand for anything, if they really want what's best for the country and are not just going to roll over for their uh, <laughs> their new president, whom, by the way, a lot of them didn't support anyway, this is the time to make a stand. I know it's been a long time. John Tower, George H.W. Bush's nominee to be defense secretary, is the last, the last uh, cabinet nominee who was actually rejected by the Senate. Several have pulled out when they got into some a uh, rough sledding there, but uh, it's about time, I think, that the Senate shows that its might again, its power again, and its sense of what's best for the United States again by rejecting Rex Tillerson as Secretary of State. That would be the strongest message to send to Donald Trump. You may have your agenda, but we're going to watch out, Republicans and Democrats, for what's best for the United States. Press Secretary David Jackson from USA Today. Let's, let's Don't have, bet on that. Let's have some breaking news right here on the show this morning. Hey, David, how are you? Fine, sir. How are you? All right. I hear it's going to be Sean Spicer, by the way. Uh, he's got a shot. Uh, there are a couple. There are a couple people still in there. Christina Pearson wants it. Uh, the Trump TV spokesperson. I think she uh, she was she talking had a to Trump yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's a few people named in the mix, but I, I think Sean has still got a, is still a pretty good bet. Right. Um, do you think that um, uh, that the, how he got to Til how did he get to Tillerson <laughs> from Romney Giuliani to Rex Tillerson? It wasn't even talked about at the time. What do no, you? I don't think he even knew him. Uh, that Robert Gates. He had an interview with Robert Gates several weeks ago, and Gates talked about Tillerson, and Condi Rice talked him up, too. A lot of the old foreign policy poobahs uh, like Tillerson and encouraged Trump to look into it, and supposedly Trump had his long interview with Tillerson, was very impressed, 
brought him back Saturday morning for a secret two-hour meeting, and, and they did the deal. So it's uh, it's a real sudden thing, that's for sure. But uh, the the uh, responsibility apparently goes to Robert Gates. Do uh, do do you think his ties with Putin uh, are going to uh, present a problem for him, and maybe even you know scuttle his nomination, his confirmation? I think it'll create problems for him, and it's hard to imagine Republicans shooting down that their president, Secretary of State nominee. Yeah. There will be a lot of questions about not just Putin, but his relationship with Russia overall. Apparently, he's had the Russia account at Exxon. He doesn't have that much experience in the Middle East, so mm-hmm. I think there'll be a few questions about certainly about Russia and about his, his lack of public policy experience. But uh, I still think that I think the odds are that he'll get through. What happened to uh, Giuliani? Uh, it was too volatile. Well, Jared Kushner, I think, didn't think he was a good fit for the Secretary of State's job. That was part of it. And Giuliani talked about how much he wanted the job, and I think that annoyed Trump. Yeah. So that, those, were, those were a couple of things they just felt like. And um, supposedly the vet on him was, uh, you know, raised a lot of eyebrows and a lot of questions. <laughs> and that, so that was another thing that worked against him. He has a, I mean, he, he, you talk about Tillerson's relationship with Russia. Rudy has a lot of economic relationships with a lot of different people across the world, and I'm told that some of them are, are eyebrow-raising. Yeah, right. I mean, he would have had conflict after conflict after right. conflict, right, or question. And uh, the guy who seems really totally left out of the equation is Chris Christie. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never thought, uh, I never thought he was going to get anything. Uh, he, you know, Christie thought he was going to be vice president. That was the price for his, yeah. endor- his early yeah. endorsement of Trump. And and he, he, Jared Kushner definitely knocked him, helped knock him out of that because Kushner doesn't doesn't like Christie because Christie prosecuted his father. So, right. I mean, once he lost the vice presidential. Uh, nod that just shows you that Christie wasn't held in particularly good stead by the by the Trump team, and even yeah. though Trump put him in charge of the transition, that was just a, that was just a functionary job. I don't think yeah. I don't think that, I honestly don't think a lot of Trumpites thought they were going to win. So that, that uh-huh. putting him in charge yeah. of the transition that early on was more or less putting him out to pasture. And, right. As I think we've seen, Christie is just not is just a non-starter now. And of course, once they did win, then they dumped Christie because they needed, they wanted somebody else in there they could mm-hmm. trust. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's yeah. another thing that uh, Trump was annoyed with Christie because he didn't def- didn't feel like Christie defended him enough during the whole the, all the fem- all the women allegations in early October. Uh, Trump felt like Christie headed toward the toward the tall grass, and and, and that was a factor too in excluding him from the team. Right, uh, you know, kind of got, what's gotten a little bit lost in the in the uh, Tillerson nomination is the news about this Russian hacking and and Trump's response to it, uh, David, where he denies, he says there's no evidence there was any hacking that it's all being spread by Democrats or just are, uh, you know, you've heard it all right because right. They're disappointed they they didn't win. Uh, and basically dismisses the whole thing as as ridiculous, uh, and and yeah. says he doesn't trust the intelligence agencies and isn't going to go to their briefings. Doesn't that set up a a, a pretty <laughs> awkward, let's say, relationship from the very beginning here? Let's say the least. I think most of his criticism is directed toward the CIA, and I would urge you all to look at a New York yeah. Times story about Michael Flynn from I think it was yesterday or the day before. Now, yes. Mike Flynn had problems yeah. with the CIA when he was running intelligence yes. at the Defense yes. Department. And I think that Flynn is feeding a lot of Trump's uh, criticism uh-huh. of the CIA, and I think that has a large part to do with Flynn it. Flynn actually oh, accused wow. the CIA of being a political tool of Obama's, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he has real problems with the CIA. The other thing that's odd about that, Bill, is that he, uh, 
Trump appears to deny the absolute hacking. I don't think there's much question that Russia tried to get involved and did was involved in the hacking of some Democratic officials. I, I almost think that's beyond dispute. The question is whether they did it to try to aid Trump's election. Yeah, or not. yeah. And I think that there is questions among the intelligence community about Russian motives. The motive, think, but all 17 agencies said Russia was behind this. And right. you know, I saw an interview on CNN a couple of days ago with this, this head of this firm CrowdStrike that they actually taught, caught two guys in the act of hacking. Right. And Republicans on the intelligence committees on the Hill, I think, would say also that they're convinced that the evidence is that Russia did try to, is involved in the hacking. Here again, the question is whether they did it to try to boost Trump's chances or not. And the motive is the question. It's not the actual, the, the actual you know, allegations are, are pretty, pretty substantial. brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, the one and only Leo Girard, the United Steelworkers, North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million active and retired members. We salute the good men and women of the United Steelworkers, thank them for the support of the program, and welcome to the program, Leo Girard himself, Mr. President. Good morning. Good to talk to you, Leo. Good morning. Good to talk to you, too. I want to ask you about the new labor secretary, if you uh, know anything about him, if you had a chance to talk to him, what do you think about Andrew Puzner, uh, head of Hardee's, uh, put in charge of the secretary of labor? I think it's a disgrace. I think uh, his public opinions and uh, his, his sexist behavior uh, should have disqualified him to be secretary of anything. Um, this is a guy that literally doesn't believe in the minimum wage, says the minimum wage costs jobs. Well, you know what? The, the minimum wage isn't enough to live on. That should be your concern. Uh, then, then the other is he says he would like to have a totally automated robot-controlled fast food chain. I can tell you what, he can go and do that, but I ain't buying a, a goddamn, excuse my language, I ain't buying a hamburger from a robot. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and, no. and I suspect most people will be really uncomfortable watching the robot make their hamburger. Uh, yeah, he, th he actually said he prefers yeah. machines to people, right, because they don't yeah, complain, so. and they never take vacations, and yeah, yeah on and on. And, and, and one of the things, Bill, that whatever, which, whichever... Uh, department of the government that Trump has appointed someone to, each one he's appointed to has had in their agenda the elimination of that department. Can, the governor of Texas couldn't remember that he wanted to mm -hmm. obliterate the Department of Energy. You know what? He doesn't even know what the Department of Energy does. The last two secretaries of the Department of Energy were, were nuclear physicists. We ha we have tens of thousands of members that work on DOE projects because we're working on decontamination of the uh, nuclear facilities that were built up during the Cold War. This guy doesn't even know that. Yeah. You, you go to the Secretary of Labor, he doesn't have a clue that the Secretary of Labor deals with giving guidance on unemployment insurance under Secretary of Labor is OSHA, MSHA, Health and Safety. Uh, under that to get training grants so that people can improve their skills. 
They need we need their support when we have a trade mm-hmm. adjustment assistance program. He doesn't have a damn clue about that. No. He wants to make hamburgers by robots. That's what yes. he cares about, and yeah. no minimum wage. Yeah, right. So and all the work put, that they're putting people in these they're putting people in these agencies who are hell bent on destroying them. There's going to be a lot of buyer's remorse pretty soon. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Joe Sirsioni from the Plowshares Fund here with us. Uh, This is really uh, uh, kind of scary about Rex Tillerson. I mean, I'd love to get your comments, but one, I guess the whole whole premise here is that somebody who's smart and making business deals Mm -hmm. around the world will be good at representing the interests of the United States around the world. They're not necessarily the same thing, are they? No, not at all. This is the most troubling appointment by far in a string of disastrous appointments. (laughs) Much to uh, nobody's surprise, he picked another white male, uh, another tall, big, boisterous, swaggering white male uh, for his cabinet. but the fact that he's the head of ExxonMobil is the big issue, and it doesn't really matter what his skill set is, what his demeanor is, what, what, how, what he says about his values. This is the head of a corporation that's the largest oil company in the United States. They have $390 billion in value, $390 billion. Let me put that in perspective. If ExxonMobil was a state, it'd be the 28th largest country in the world, mm-hmm. right behind Iran. Uh, this is, to me, the direct takeover of the instruments of state power by uh, America's corporations. This is corporate statism. That's what's going on here. And if you want to know just one thing that should give you pause about this, it's the deal at the heart of all this, the $500 billion deal that ExxonMobil has with Russia that's been held up because of U.S. sanctions against Russia over Ukraine. What do you think he's going to care about more, that $500 billion deal or, the, or what's happening to the people of Ukraine? He hasn't shown in, in, in any of his history any regard for human rights, environmental rights, labor rights. It's all about getting the oil. And that's what this guy's going to do, whether he's in for three years or four years. This is a temporary assignment for him. His real interests are with Exxon and the fortune that that represents. So his position is that uh, Putin can seize Crimea. Putin can send troops into Ukraine. Putin can shoot down a, an, an airline and kill, I don't know how many hundred people. And we should not put any sanctions against Russia. He, because it would interfere with their plans in Siberia. He correct? spoke out against the sanctions. He cut this deal in 2011, 2012. The sanctions go in, in in 2014. He spoke out against them. He mocked them at a at a at a business 
meeting in Moscow. This, I think this was where he got his Medal of Friendship. So when you say that the next Secretary of State is a friend of Putin's, this is certified. It's, this, he's got a Friendship Medal mm-hmm. from Putin. Um, uh, uh, many, <laughs> like not everybody has proof. Like he's no. got the receipts that he is a friend of yeah. Putin. So you know. So this is. Oh man. And, and this is the and this deal, this deal is about drilling for oil in the Arctic. It's it's an area larger than the state of Texas that we're talking about, and some people say this deal could make Russia's future. So when you, if you're going to look at anything about this, look at that deal. Read the articles about it. Joe Rome, you should probably have him in. Mm-hmm. Edits a thing, edits a, a blog called Climate Progress. Wrote a great article on this. Rachel Maddow has been talking about this deal. This is, I think, this is the most important issue in considering the nomination of this man to be Secretary of State. Whose interest does he represent? What does this mean for geopolitics? let alone the, the stock price of ExxonMobil. Now, in addition to Ukraine and Crimea, what other um, mm. implications for foreign policy involving Russia uh, or should we be worried about? Well, you, 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 Syria, well, for starters? You, you have to be concerned about what kind of message this sends to our NATO allies. You know, because, you know, what does Eastern Europe care about? They care about Russian aggression. And if the U.S. starts to cozy up, then you start to look at people who will start to see Russia carving out a sphere of influence, which is what Putin wants. And and ExxonMobil doesn't care who runs Eastern Eastern Europe. Fine. As long as they can do business. As the man said, we all we care about is where we get is that that we can get the oil. We don't care where we get it from. So he doesn't care about the government regulations, of it, just as long as there's a reliable source of energy. And, and this, of course, teams up with his other picks. He's just picked an interior secretary who's against uh, uh, renewable energies, who thinks climate change is an unsettled issue, who's a, who's a fuel man. He's just picked Rick Perry, probably the, one of the least qualified cabinet picks yet to be secretary of energy. What does Rick Perry stand for? Oil and gas. Mm-hmm. So you see this pattern of oil and gas people, pro-oil and gas people, coming in and literally taking state power, let's, taking over all the instruments. Let's add to the list EPA. Oh, yes. Attorney General of Oklahoma, who's Mr. Fossil Fuels, again, climate change denier, yeah. uh, Scott Pruitt. So yeah. you've got at least four, not to mention the commander-in-chief, the, commander-in-chief. the, the president-elect, all five climate it, change deniers. Yeah. If, I, if I just ask an obvious question— What's the end game here? Like, is this, is the end game here to just make a bunch of his friends rich or to pay back donors? It's certainly not to lead the country, but I mean, it seems to me that this is just uh, make as much money as you can while I, being president. I think there's two things, and okay. let's let's be the most benign interpretation is this is the Ayn Rand view of the world mm. that this is what you need: broad-shouldered white men, corporate giants who know how to make deals running the government of the United States, and they think this is what's best for the world. And the other, the other view is that we are turning into Russia. This is a kleptocracy. This is, this is people who, who, who are very rich taking <laughs> over instruments that were going to make them a lot richer, and they're doing this for a short period of time you know, three years, four years, maybe eight years total, and then they'll leave, and they'll go back to their real world, which is money. And so I... To, I, I, and then, I, so I think it's both of those. I yeah. think they're after the money. They're, this is what it's all about. And they layer over this, this philosophy, this government um, uh, ideology that fits in with what they want to do, make money. And what can we expect from a Rex Tillerson with the Iran nuclear deal? 
Well, interestingly enough, um, ExxonMobil would like to have good relations with Iran. Uh, it's it's not it's not it's not a, it's a little bit of a competitor, you know. It's Iran oil, but but mm-hmm. this is what this man does. He has relations with thirty different countries about getting out and extracting oil, and Iran is making deals with oil companies. They just made a major deal with Total. It's not an American firm, but it's one of the largest oil firms in, in the world. ExxonMobil can do business with Iran, so it would be in Rex Tillerson's interest to keep the Iran deal and to restore. Uh, co- working relations with Iran. So uh, for me, my narrow set of interests, uh, nuclear Iran deal, this might work out okay because if you improve relations with Russia, which I think he will do, that opens the door for further nuclear reduction. So my, I'm one of the few sort of progressive interest groups who are probably going to benefit from, from this selection. It'll probably work well for my agenda. But if you're an environmentalist, if you care about human rights, if you care about climate change, if you care about what's, what the, the, the opposing dictatorships in impoverished countries like Chad and Equatorial Guinea and Nigeria, all of which are, have, have dictators who've been enriched and armed by ExxonMobil, well, you just got, you took it on the chin big time. Right. We keep hearing about the ties with Putin. What we haven't we just barely scratched the surface of his ties in Chad and and other countries around the globe where he's made deals with some very unsavory characters. And as you say, given them arms that they've used to uh, suppress their people. Chad alone, yeah. $4 billion worth of arms flowed into the, the, the coffers there. Uh, Equatorial Guinea, a dictatorship on the rocks until they made a deal with, with ExxonMobil. You know, you'll probably hear a lot about his battle with Chavez in Venezuela, where he stood up to him and refused to go along with Chavez's efforts to nationalize some of ExxonMobil's hearings. Well, guess what? He took it on the chin. He lost to Chavez. Chavez cleaned his clock mm. in, in Venezuela. They eventually got a court settlement that, that decided in favor of ExxonMobil, but they were paid only 10 cents on the dollar for their holdings. Right. Now, it seems that this may be, uh, to make writers worse, uh, a package deal uh, uh, that Tillerson, who has no diplomatic experience, needs someone who has been in statecraft at his side. Oh, so yes. they're talking about number two. Now. John Bolton. Yeah, see, here's where it gets really awful. This is where it gets really awful, because you might even have a gloss like, okay, maybe corporations should run our country. What the heck? They do already. Let's just give it to them directly. We've had some success with people like Robert (laughs) McNamara and and others. And and to be fair, we have a history in this country of handing over the Department of Defense to um, the heads of major (laughs) car companies. McNamara was the head of Ford, you know, the head of GM. Uh, uh, Various people have run the Department of Defense. We haven't done that with state uh, until now. Um, So, so. Bolton. Bolton is a nightmare, a walking nightmare. If there's one nominee that probably won't get not get approved uh, by the Senate, I think it's Bolton. Remember, this is a guy that couldn't get approved in the George W. Bush administration. They had to make a recess appointment. Oh, jeez. I they, forgot about as that. As ambassador to the U.N. As ambassador to the U.N. So he snuck yeah. in in a recess appointment with U.N. ambassador for a, a, a year and a half, was a disaster as a, as a U.N. ambassador, and then left, and he's been making a living on Fox News uh, ever since. Well, he if he comes in as number two, uh, he will be the one who actually runs the Defense Department, and there the State. Iran de- State Department, and there the Iran deal is going to be in real trouble because he has vowed to to dismantle that deal. So that is our biggest threat. Uh, if I had to 
bet, and I'm out of the betting business, I would say Tillerson, despite all of this, is probably going to get approved by the Senate, though it'll be close. And I think Bolton could, I, for one, am, am part of the Stop Bolton effort to stop this man from being Deputy Secretary. And uh, I think we have a good chance of defeating his nomination. Uh, and Senator Rand Paul has said for sure that uh, he's leading that uh, that charge. Over uh, my dead body, he yeah. says. Uh, and uh, to be fair, uh, Bolton has not been nominated yet. Yes. But so far, these names that uh, fly out there, uh, many of them end up getting the jobs that they're talking about for. This is the one that could be really troubling. Annie Linsky is here from the <coughs> Boston Globe, national political reporter. Annie, good to see you. Good to see you, too. There hasn't been enough attention, I believe, to Jeff Sessions, who's the first, I believe, the very first uh, cabinet nominee of of, the, of, uh, of Donald Trump's. Uh, and some people were surprised, yet at the same time, Jeff Sessions was the very first senator to endorse him. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from the very beginning when everybody else thought this guy's a total wacko. And you point out that they've really known each other for a long time. So yeah. it wasn't that surprising. Yeah, yeah. I mean, w- the thing about Sessions was, um, you know, he was the first first cabinet pick to be announced. The first, the only one, really, well, I mean, perhaps not with Ag, but th- the only major cabinet pick where there hasn't been this, like, reality show surrounding it. It was like, if Sessions wants this job, he can get the job. Yeah. And really yeah. the only loyalist, you know, to get a job, like, to get a big job. Bannon, yes, is a loyalist getting a, well, yeah, inside. But, a, but, you know, the, to get no. a cabinet-level job, I mean, all of these other folks. Chris you know, Christie, Rudy Giuliani, Newt Gingrich, boom. Absolutely. Yeah, a twisting in the wind. Sessions, yeah. But there's something different with Sessions. So why? Um, so, you know, when I, I, I looked into this a little bit um, for a story that I did for The Globe, and... Um, Part of the reason is, I mean, they do they do have this really long history where to where Sessions um, had Trump come down and testify at a committee hearing in 2005 about the U.N. It was like this issue where um, Trump was talking to the New York press about how there's a U.N. overhaul rehab going on. And it was like Trump was it was like typical Trump. And he was like, it's too expensive. I I'm a I'm a big shot developer. I'm better at negotiating deals. I could do it for half the cost. And Sessions just like bought right into it. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah look at this guy saying he could do it for half the cost. We got to we got to get him down here. So it was kind of like the way the relationship of continues. Course you just have to put the Trump name on the right. United yeah, Nations. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Trump yeah. U.N. The yeah, yeah, exactly. The Trump United Nations, uh, yeah. New York. Um, and Trump has a tower right across the street from yes, the yes. Trump World Tower uh, residential building. So, you know, it, for me, it was sort of emblematic for how their relationship would would <coughs> sort of like reemerge, you know, 10 years later, where Trump is saying these sort of made for tabloid claims. And Sessions, again, you know, is willing to buy into it and like providing the sheen of legitimacy when Trump really needs it. And then they become um, they became very, very close. I mean, Trump's team in 2014 targeted Sessions as somebody they thought they would be able to peel off and get for an endorsement because they saw him as Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, not an inside the beltway, not an establishment guy, somebody who'd be willing to. Um, you know, break with the establishment, and and other other people were targeting him too. But um, 
the two of them had a few events together and then um, Sessions, from his people's telling, just loved that he was hearing so many of the things he'd been talking about, about immigration for so long on the Senate floor with, you know, with and nobody paying attention when Sessions was saying it. But mm-hmm. suddenly these similar ideas are coming out of Trump's mouth and it's it's sort of getting the attention that Sessions believed it always could. And so they had this long, like heart to heart in Sessions hideaway office. It was like more than an hour because one of Sessions' big concerns about Trump was always the the sort of moral side of it and the the like um you know Sessions is, is a Christian conservative and the, just the and his constituents in particular were worried about Trump and his three marriages um so I'm you know don't know that that came up in the their hour long sit down but I would suspect that it that it did yeah. um but they walked away from that much closer and then mm. a lot of Sessions top staffers went to work for Trump Right. And and now and have been announced as of yesterday. Um, one of them, Steve M- Miller, um, is going on to work in the in the White House. In, in the White House, as a senior advisor. Yeah. Uh, to, for policy uh, and speech writing, like there's like ten different things he's in charge of. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And Sessions clearly will be confirmed by the Senate easily. Right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's not going to have the same issues, but it's not going to, I wouldn't say, uh, say yeah. I'll agree with the first half and not the second half. Okay. He'll be confirmed. He'll I don't know that it's going to be an easy, I mean, I think that you're going to see the Judiciary yeah. Committee in particular wanting to like go through because, um, you know, I, I'm hearing this from not only in the Senate, but in Judiciary Committees around the country are kind of bulking up their Democrats there. I mean, we've been hearing rumors that Elizabeth Warren is going to be joining the Judiciary Committee in um, in Congress. Um, and with the idea that somebody, they want people who can stand up to whoever Trump's AG is going to be, because he's that person is going to be in charge of so much of the controversial things that Trump has talked about. Absolutely. The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Yeah, we know Donald Trump has little use for facts, but his his reaction to news about Russian hacking into this election is really so fact-free, it is stunning. He says Democrats are the source of the story. Wrong. Fact. The CIA and FBI are the source of the story. He says the CIA and FBI don't agree Russia was involved. Wrong. Fact. All 17 intelligence agencies agree Russia was hacking away. He says there's no direct evidence Russia was involved. Wrong. Fact, a cybersecurity firm called CrowdStrike actually caught two Russian hackers in the act. And not only that, Donald Trump, fact, forgets that he himself urged Russia to hack into Hillary's emails. Maybe he forgot. Hey, folks, that's it for today. This Come back and see us again tomorrow. This is the Bill Press we'll Show. For you.